Diablo 2 on consoles. And 60 frames per second, Bloodborne. Well, hello there, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mr. Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always... Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 201. 201. And I have to tell you, if you guys joined us for our stream, I'm so happy that you were able to come. If you listen to it afterwards, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. In going back, there was very little I could do. I wish I would have chose to record the audio back up differently. There was bleed over, because we got new mics for that, and... As much as I tried to prepare without a lot of test time, um, any time that we'd get too loud or too close to each other... It would just overlap. It was echo. it was bleed. So yeah. it kind of sounded like an echo between the two mics. Uh, before we stream again, I'm going to work on that, get used to those new lapel mics so that we can stream in comfort, which was a lot better than having mics in our face, but without having to have the bleed. So if you've suffered through that a little bit here and there, we really appreciate it. Uh, but now we're back in our normal studio space. We're all good to go. The lights Normal are fixed. microphones. The lights are fixed because um, even though Saul thought that I probably needed to buy new ones, I, no, we we resol- we talked about that. Best five dollars I've ever spent at one ninety nine. Because you cause you said you soldered them or something. I did, <laughs> but I soldered them forever ago. What happened is I pulled something through behind uh, for it, the streaming thing and then unplugged them. Yeah. yeah, so it is what it is. We're all good though. Look at that. Look, it looks you, beautiful back there. If you happen to join us for last episode, we thank you. Uh, it was definitely a fun time. And if you have it, go check it out on YouTube. That's probably the best place to watch it just because it is a live stream, which is something we do very rarely now. And it is a full playthrough of Bloodborne. So get the best of both worlds. And, uh, of course, if this is your first time watching us, this is going to be a little unusual. If you, do, well, I'll say if this is your second time watching us, this is a little <laughs> unusual because yeah. this is what it normally looks like. Um, but so, you guys can find out where we are and where to find us later on in the episode. So, so I have a question for you. What is that? I, I'm not mistaken. I think we determined this on the thing. That was your fastest time ever on Bloodborne, yes, correct? Yes, 311. Okay. Do you th- I, I thought about it. You did your test playthrough or whatever that you did the other day on PS5 still, right? Yes. Okay. Because I was thinking, as I've been playing, I'm mm-hmm. like, man, the PS5 load times when you have it directly on the SSD and are, not on external yeah, drive are, are great. Is, in, is incredible, and that's what that game needed. So I was thinking, like, when you were playing it on yours, did you play it? Do you have an external drive for your PS4 games? No. Okay. I just... I, I do, but if I'm, I have it set to where that's only for the games that were already on my external drive. If I'm installing a PS4 game now that for the first time again... I'm just going ahead and taking it. Like It's set to automatically install everything directly to my hard drive, uh, the SSD. So for me, since I didn't do the system transfer at all, I just re-downloaded everything that I needed. Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't do the system transfer either. I just unplugged my external drive from my PS4 Pro and plugged it into my PS5 and it works. See, the only external drive that I have anyways is my little 250 gigabyte SSD that I was using for Destiny that I have in a um, SSD case. Okay. But there's no point for me to keep that on there with the PS5. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, well, you know, so I, I, I still have Destiny on that SSD. I need to go format it and use it for something else. Because at that point, it is pointless. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no reason for it to be on the SSD. Yeah, I can see how that is. Um, All right. Well, yeah, like Saul mentioned, uh, you know, you'll get to figure out where all of our stuff and where you can find us later in the show, as well as uh, we're going to get further into some of the topics we talked about in the very clickbaity cold opening. Um, But before that, we always start this show off in a time-honored tradition. Uh, Of course, we didn't do that for episode 200 because it's different. And also, hopefully, as Saul mentioned, live streams is something that's been more rare for us in recent time as we've 
gotten different jobs uh, set up. And of course, I've started doing music again. So my time is a little more pulled than it used to be. But I think that hopefully with my game room redone and being a little cozier, my goal is to hopefully, excuse me, be able to use Patreon money soon uh, to build a small streaming PC dedicated for the game room. I'm going to work on that right now. That can stay in there. In a little mini, a mini ATX case. ITX case. Uh, ITX, yeah. You were right, the right to begin it, yeah. Anyway, uh, do that and have something dedicated in there so that when we want to stream, we don't have to go through the hassle of moving the computer all the way around and having to unplug and replug everything in. And that way, we can stream on whims and uh, or, and even not on whims, but stream more confidently and without having to move everything and test and test and test. So that's something we're going to start working on and hopefully we'll have a little bit more streams, even if it's just hanging out and watching us do plays of games. Um, as some of these new games come out like that, uh, I can't remember the name of the game right now, but that cyberpunk looking style souls like game I showed you that looked really cool. Like whenever that ends up coming out, yeah. it'd be cool to do like a playthrough of that or, or at least, you know, like not a playthrough, but playing it yeah. live on stream and just getting reactions. It would have been cool to do that for Mortal Shell as well. It, it would have been actually really cool to have streamed or at least captured my entire no death run <laughs> for the platinum. Of, yeah, of um, Death Gambit. I mean, not, not Death Gambit. Mortal Shell. Mortal Shell. Yeah. Death Gambit would be a good stream game for that stuff too, though. Yeah. Great game. I haven't, I haven't gone back to it since they've updated the hell out of it. That's true of a lot of games, though. You know, that's the the, the problem with me these days is that I play a game, beat it, and move on and be like, man, I love that game. And I know that in its current form, that game is nothing like it was when I originally played it. I mean, it is, I guess, but it's also way more. Um, or at least has the potential to be. Saul, what have you played this week, buddy? So this week's been weird. Obviously, I played Bloodborne. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I've played on and off Breath of the Wild, just kind of re-going through that game again. My brother told me that the DLC was done pretty well, and I got to it. And the DLC is kind of interesting. Um, but I have also been playing uh, Wizard of Legend on the Switch, and that's a pretty fun game. And that's kind of it. Like I planned on downloading Darkest Dungeon to go through that again. Um, that's a rattle like a game, isn't? It? No, no. I'm thinking of um, Darkest Dungeon is like a um, turn-based Souls game, turn-based Bloodborne to be exact, because it has the same kind of thing Bloodborne does. Where and then there's Darkest Dungeon too, correct? Darkest Dungeon 2 is announced, yes. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it's not out yet. And what game am I thinking of? What uh, what kind of game is it? A dungeon game, I thought. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's the that's a, that's one of the only games to me. Now, are you thinking of um, of the, uh, the Eldritch game that's coming out soon? No. The Fear from the Gods? Devious Dungeon. Oh, I don't know what that is. See, there's a game coming out that looks really cool that looks like it was done by the same developers of Darkest Dungeon. And, um... I can't... This already looks like a ripoff. Uh, yeah, it it very likely could no, be. No, that's not. I don't know what that is. That looks like a, um... What's that game that's on PS Vita that's really, really good? That has... It's like a um, 2D roguelite. Oh, uh, Rogue Legacy? Yes. That reminds me of that, mixed with... Yeah, I don't things. know. I don't know, um... Now there's a game coming out soon though that is um it's like a um I can't even describe it. It looks like Darkest Dungeon, like in terms of the style. Having not played Darkest Dungeon, I guess I don't have. I know you've talked talked to me about it. 
and I understand why I was thinking of Radalika because Devious and Darkest are pretty similar. But what does the actual playthrough style look? It is uh, you're walking in like a 2D side scroller around a dungeon, and then when you get to a fight, it is it's, it looks it, all hand drawn. It is turn based hand drawn. Well, it looks like that when you're walking through too. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a very pretty game. Um, but there is there's something coming out. Y'all let me know in the comments or on um, Discord if you know what I'm talking about. Where it's just it's it uses that neon blue and the red um, kind of lighting. And um, I just can't think of what it's called. I want to say it's like something of the gods, but but I might end up finding it now here here in a second. But yeah, I can't remember. It's something me and you looked at. It's coming out on like Switch, and I'm pretty sure it comes out on like PS4 to five or whatever. Um, Do you mean that game that they showed at the? Um, I think it was Game Awards. It may not. It must not have been Game Awards. This sound, well, this sounds right. And it's by maybe it's Five Hundred Five or Annapurna Interactive, and it's called like Something Must Die. No, hold on, give me a second. Annapurna, give me a second here. Annapurna doesn't sound right to me. And I, I, well, I'm wondering if it is Annapurna or if it's Five Hundred Five. Um, Aeon Must Die? No. Aeon Must Die, I think, is a... Is a uh, I don't know what that is. You don't remember? The, it was one of the coolest trailers. Oh, yeah, okay. I do know what that is. I saw that. The name didn't ring a bell. Yeah, it's the one that had the really crazy... Apparently, the development had been stolen from another group of people that were all fired and then moved on. So people are worried that after it was shown, it may never actually end up coming out. But it looks really cool. Uh, I keep forgetting uh, Bravely Default 2 is coming out this Friday, and I will definitely be playing that um, into this week as, or into the end of this week as well. But um, while I look for this game, because now it's just going to bother me, uh, what have you <laughs> been playing this week? So, of course, I've been playing Bloodborne. Um, I, did, I wouldn't say I got chastised, but people had noticed that, again, I don't have the platinum for Bloodborne. So even though Saul technically got the trophies for me while he was doing this, I'm replaying Bloodborne right now and fighting all the bosses, including the ones I've missed so that I can get all the weapons and everything. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not doing bad. Actually. I've got, um, all of the weapons besides the beast claws and the cannon and the hunter's torch. I think those are the three. All of those are super easy to get except the beast claws. Yeah. The beast claws is not even hard. It's just, you got to kill an NPC to get it. And the NPC is, not easy. Yeah. Um, so I've got that. Uh, I did end up doing what I told you where you kill Alfred in his second location in Cathedral Ward so I could get the Wheel Hunters or the whatever it's called. I didn't tell you that. Uh, well, I was talking to you about it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I, I was like, hold on. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. If you don't want to have to complete his quest line, which is also not hard, you just go and you have to find the sealed summons when you're fighting Ligarius. I actually remember all that. I never did it, but I remember looking up whenever I was originally playing the game. But I'm not far through that. I'm not. I'm, I'm doing okay through that. I fought uh, Vicar Amelia, I think is the last actual boss fight that I did in game. No, I didn't. I did. Uh, I bought. I beat the shadows. That's where I'm at. And I went to the first lamp in Bergenworth or whatever the hell it's called. So you're not. You're not far away from getting the claws then, because you got to beat Rom, and then you got to go to Unseen Village, and then you got to go. Oh, to I beat the... Rom. So then all you got to do is go through Unseen Village. Actually, when we get done here, I could. I could show you. 
where they're at. And I can show you where the cannons at. The cannons are dropping the in the Forbidden Woods. Like it's it's just on the it's I say it's on the ground. It's in like a See, thing. I thought it was cuz when we talked at work and I was looking for it and I was like, "I don't know." It's but not, I was just running through. I did beat I, I did beat Rom and I hate the Rom fight. Shout out to my boy Mario. It's one of my friends on PSN. He saw us playing and invited. He's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll come help you." So he did Rom with me, uh which was actually a huge help. Though also Blood Tinge is just a pretty good build for Rom, though Arcane is your best build for Rom, apparently, as I have now learned. Yeah, like, uh, whenever I said, you know, obviously I've been playing Bloodborne this week, I wasn't talking about just for the Saw plays, or not, well, Saw plays, whatever we did, whatever we call it. Um, <laughs> the, the Triangle but, Squared episode 200 full play. <laughs> yeah, the full play. Um, but I went through and redid an Arcane build, and yeah, like, if you use Executioner Gloves, you can one-phase ROM. Like, you won't have time to teleport away. Well, and I, it struck me because I've never... I went through the original game never doing this. Summoning... Uh, at, and I, every time it's been accidental, because I forget what the NPC summons look like in this game, so I think it's a weird item. It almost looks like when you go to collect your souls from the ground in other games. So I'm like, oh, what is this? And I click on it, it's like, oh, it's, you're ringing your old hunter's bell. Yeah, it's like a red, like a hologram but it's, well no it's like a blue plume coming up with like the messengers in it kind of for what for Co-op? summoning npcs you know the the summonable npcs See, i thought that was fights. like a red like it showed them like a red figure no it doesn't show anybody okay. it's just like a little plume so i go to it and i hit x too quickly and it ended up being that so when i was fighting rom not only did i have mario with me i had accidentally right outside of the door you open to go jump into the, the lake i had um summoned the i can't remember his name but he's an arcane build and whenever i got in there i was like my man over here is hitting some damage for rom yes. no there was a summit yeah dude because he's on the door right before you go yes out right before you go out yeah. so i've done that i've also gone through and am working on getting to the chalice that you need for queen of yarnum and i'm pretty close i've got the fourth layer left of the chalice before the last one that you need to get the chalice that queen is actually in. So I guess I'm technically two full, um, two full chalices and one layer of a chalice away from finally getting to her, which I didn't realize how much work it was to get to her. That's you, it's not that you, it was hard. It's no, just, you got to go through it's a re- bunch. repetition. Yeah. And now you see why I don't want to do chalice dungeons anymore. Cause of like how annoying it is, but also I could see it being fun. If I wasn't, if I hadn't just been grinding them, that's what got me. I, I should have been doing one chalice and then playing more of the game and then one chalice and playing more of the game. I can't remember if she's actually in a chalice that is given to you by the chalice dungeons, or if you have to get the chalice from a Britus. And do it there. From what I've seen, you have to go through uh, the the Therma, whatever they're... Tumerian. Tumerian, yeah. You have to go through the Tumera uh, Chalice, then the Lower Tumera, Center Tumera, and then you keep going. And then the last one, whenever you beat it, gives you the whatever crazy version of Thamara right. chalice she's in, but which is like... See, is that how that works? I thought she was on like a fail or an ailing Lauren chalice or something. That you get from uh, beating a boss. Maybe. Like get- I was just looking up a guide on, on how to go through it because I didn't want to waste time. And I've never done until we were done. I've never even seen the Chalice Dungeons. Yeah. They're they're cool, but they're just really samey. Yeah, There's a lot of enemies are. in there that are really that are that you won't find in the other game. What's cool about the game, the too, game. is it introduces the idea that it's really cool in games with, with progression of things that are once enemies in early Chalice Dungeons start become our bosses. bosses become normal enemies in later Chalice Dungeons. Though that got me because I got into a room in this last one right before I had to fight Rom and there was a bunch of spiders 
two of the little witch hat lady who shoots out fire, two of the dogs, and it was fine. I just wasn't prepared for it, so I died. <laughs> I walked directly in the room. I said, oh, there's a bunch of crap in here. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good time. And if anybody wants to hop onto Bloodborne with me and help me take down Queen of Yarnum, I'm a, I don't know what the fight is like. And Saul was also talking about one of the Amygdala fights that you have to do. My boy over here looking at Sundered. Yeah, I typed in Eldritch game on Switch and it popped up. It's a beautiful game. Oh. You need to play Sundered if you haven't. I have. Speaking of Sundered, the other game I've been playing is a Thunder Lotus game. Thunder Lotus made Sundered. And uh, it's Spiritfarer. It's almost the near Automata episode that i did with chris for spoiler chats is almost done and we announced at the end of that episode that we will be doing spirit fair afterwards so i'm i'm very close to finishing the edit for that episode and it will be up very soon for patrons then a week later for everyone else thank you guys for being patrons and um i started that i originally didn't intend to start so early but we got snowed in and didn't work for the majority of the week so i was at home for four days and didn't have much to do ended up starting it and playing it it's really good I will share more of my thoughts in that, but I'll say if you're going to uh, if you're going to look at playing it, the one thing I can go ahead and tell you is don't look into playing it as your primary game. I think it's much better served as a game that you hop into as a supplementary game that you spend like a couple of hours in every night that you choose to get on it. Um, it's a very endearing game, really cute, has a great art style to it. Uh, I think that the way it goes about doing its story is really good, while also having some Minecraft slash animal crossing aspects where you have like people on that you're trying to keep happy and you can grow crops and whatnot and cook. It's very involved, but at the same time it becomes tedious if you're doing it over and over and over again. Also saw I lied the other day when I was talking about it, I was saying there's no fast travel. I had completely missed this spot on the map. that You have to go to activate it. Then all the other ones activate. There's a bus stop that you can go to and then it will fast travel you to places so that you don't have to just sail from one corner of the map to the other. Okay. That's which good. is nice. Yeah. And it's helps me be able to play more of it. So with that said, um, I played that and that's about it. Um, you know, I think I talked about it. I got the platinum in South Park, the fractured, but whole and replayed through all of it in between episode one ninety nine and what should have been 200. So that was a good time. I really enjoyed going back and playing it, which is also very similar to my experience whenever I went back and played the stick of truth again. I still think the stick of truth is more fun gameplay wise for me personally, even though the fractured, but whole is more strategic based, but good game fun. Had a great time with it. Saul, I saw you looking to call of Cthulhu, which brings me back to a conversation we had at work. Yeah. You ended up beating call of Cthulhu, correct? Yes. Yeah. We talked about that on the show. Um, we were both talking about playing the sinking city. Yes. It's coming to PS five with 60 frames per is second. It's still going to be $60 though. I don't, they haven't talked about pricing yet. And the reason I bring that up is they wanted it to be a free up, uh, a free upgrade for people who had the game already. But apparently the people who published the PS four version of the game are not publishing the PS five version of the game. And they're in legal battle right now with them. So right now they can't say that they can promise a, free upgrade path but they hope to by the time the game comes out have that legal battle done and they can try and figure out whether or not they'll be able to offer that okay so right now i don't know and they said that their other plan if not a free upgrade might have been like a very small nominal fee to go up but either way i'm gonna wait to play that on ps5 now because i have a feeling it will probably be a much better experience on ps5 (laughs) okay 
Oh, my VPN's telling me I'm in Canada. I'm sitting over here trying to figure out why these Switch games are eighty dollars. <laughs> dude, I was like, why? Now, I'm still, I'm still hung up on trying to find that game. So I think you're going to have to give it up. No, because as a demo, so I can narrow it down. I can go to games with demos and go through that. But I did it once already. I didn't see it because I downloaded it and played it as a demo. And maybe, maybe the demo's not available in Canada. What do you say? No, because that's not how Nintendo's website would work. Are you bound and determined, Saul? Yes, I am bound, bound and determined. Well, fine. Tell you what we're going to do. Got to go ahead and move into the community's take, which sadly didn't get as many answers as I was hoping for. I do try and typically throttle it to where I don't put the stuff up until Friday night so that it stays in people's mind and they don't pass it as quickly. But we got a couple of answers. We're going to take away uh, community's take like we do with Reader Mill. <laughs> Y'all aren't being good boys. We've been getting a lot of answers prior to this, though, so it is what it is. It is. But, I'm just joking. Uh what we put out is that with 200 episodes under our belt, this seemed like a good time to flip a question that we were given on episode 200 by one of our patrons, Josh Ayers, and ironically, he was the first person to answer, which is cool. Anyway, he asked us that during the stream, which was, what has been our favorite or most memorable discussion or topic that we've done on the podcast? And of course, Saul and I gave our answers on the last episode. Um Saul, I mean, uh, Josh came back and his answer was when you guys got into a deep conversation about the possibilities of ray tracing audio, I don't know why. And all it ended up being was convolution reverb. And uh-huh. we were talking about reverb whenever we were doing it. Uh, so it's funny that he brings that up, but we were talking about some of the other possibilities of what could come from it and just kind of, it, it was cool too. Cause of course, since then, Josh, we've learned that the PS five is set up to, uh, this actually might've been. A conversation sprung from that. Uh, But, you know, there was a big period of time where people thought that PS3 backwards compatibility might be easier to achieve down the line, similar to how Xbox did 360 backwards compatible about a year after release of the Xbox One. Mm -hmm. Because the... I'm I'm actually failing out right now mentally on the name of the type of chips they are. RSX chips? That sounds wrong. it's, that sounds familiar, but I don't know why it would sound familiar. P- RCUs, PCUs, what is it? Um, my brain is literally failing me, but the way they handle audio on PS5 is through something that is very similar to what part of the cell architecture sh- structure was. And people were wondering if, with those being on there, could they have backwards compatibility with PS3 games where they can't have 3D audio, but they can tap what they use for the 3D audio and the whole audio experience in general through those. Um, Josh, I know you're going to correct me with what those are actually called, so please do so. <laughs> but APUs. that was a cool thing. APUs. What? APUs? No, it's not an APU. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, Josh's answer. Josh, appreciate you for that, buddy. Uh, let's see, another one. The Snow Jedi said, comparison of external storage drive or headsets for PS5. The You know what's funny? PS5 is out, and I was really hoping this wasn't going to be the case. But Mark Cerny is kind of becoming the guy who's really interesting to hear talk, and he says a lot of cool things during the presentations for consoles. But then it feels like we don't quite get everything what he was talking about. Yeah. Cause, I might be, I haven't gone and done much of it. I guess maybe that's what it is. But he acted like the PS5 was going to prompt you whenever you went to set it up to put in headphones and like choose your ear so, type. So that it can... And, like, I, and he said there'd only be a couple available at launch. I haven't even done that. Yeah. I, I, is it, if it's even in the system? I'm not saying it's not. But you'd think if it was such a big feature, it'd already be there. And there's a couple of things, right? 
We haven't heard anything still, and he did give a little bit of leeway there. We haven't heard anything about external storage, or not external, but internal storage upgrade from third party. Uh-huh. We haven't heard anything more about the 3D audio, the Tempest audio, and what they're doing with the whatever those things are called for being able to figure out your ear shaping to everything else and how they're unique to each person, but there are ones that are at least close. We haven't heard anything about that. And this just reminds me so much of back when he was talking about PS4 and it was like, oh, you'll be able to use PS Now to stream a game uh, and try try it out for a while. Before you buy. And you'll be able able to break up the installation to where you can install the story separate from the multiplayer. And we kind of sort of saw that here and there, but not really the way he anticipated. I'm a little worried that there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now with PS5 that's going to be similar. Now, at least PS5 has got a pandemic that they're working through as part of that, but it's unfortunate. Uh, Saul, you want to pull one? Yeah, I'll get one over here on uh, Twitter where our good buddy Sean, no fate, he says, I really enjoyed the talk of what a Vita 2 could be and what it needed to be, or what it needed to be successful. But does any... Sorry, my throat keeps clasping or something. Does any... I can't even speak... Does anything really beat when both of you got in a heated debate about over who's right and Google decides who is the winner? I don't know what that instance he's talking he's about. He's saying, does anything beat oh. when both of us get into heated debates and then Google decides who's the winner? It's not a singular That's not what instance. That's saying. Yeah. No. That is exactly I, no, what he says. No, he's not. I'm going to Google. Hold on. <laughs> didn't realize what I was doing there. I didn't for a split second. Um you know, that's funny because that actually mirrors back into something that uh, Rude Days and also that Blake Sean, said, they're, that's sh- not going to get read on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to get read on the show. But if you're a part of our discord, it should you should go, go crack up. Have a laugh. Yeah, go laugh. I uh, was laughing so hard because at first I was like, was this something we talked about on Digging Shit Best? And I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. For a sp- I was like, well, hold on. And then as we kept reading, I was like, no, nope. no, this is this and, is fan fiction. You, well, here's the reason why the first the first the, piece first, of- the first sentence was getting me, but then I was like, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, it's not I'm not reading the whole thing. This is about masturbation with your left hand, and here's I'm gonna spoil everything for you guys right now. Your boy's left handed, so I would not be looking at Saul and being like, oh, you know, <laughs> he's I've literally never masturbated with my left hand. What? Look, it's just one of those things where I would not be even remotely saying anything to anybody. So it, it is what it is. Don't shake my left hand. That's that's what the the moral of the story is. Know the hand. Know someone's dominant hand, so you know to avoid that hand when shaking. <laughs> Always use your other hand. To get off of this subject real quick, and before we interject into another question, um, this uh, stream PC. Do you want it just to be like 500 gigabytes of storage? Cause yeah, don't need to be okay. much. Didn't think so. Look, Continue Saul's, on. Saul's over here doing the work. That way we can give you guys a number of what we need on the Patreon. Yeah, he's not wrong. we got to hit that $500 a month. If you miss that, go sub to be one of our patrons and tell all your friends. Because if we get to $500 a month, we're going to get a photographer to come in. And we're going to do sexy photos with gaming things. We're going to do like the... the we're going to do like the uh, Burt Reynolds pose where you're laying down and you have your leg cocked open. But there's going to be a PS5 blocking our crotch. Um bunch of fun stuff like that it's gonna be a calendar for our patrons so hey go over there get that make it happen if you make it happen that is what it is also we are going to work on getting shirts and introducing new tiers for people who want to be able to do shirts but what okay why is a 1050 ti 260 dollars i don't know and why is this 3090 three thousand five hundred dollars 
Could not. Okay, here's a better. Well, no, it wouldn't be a small because you because if you're going to go with a mini ITX, you're going to have to go with a, a more discreet graphics card, right? No, I'm just looking at prices because there's nothing here except things that are above four hundred dollars. I was going to say what I can do is go ahead and re- replace my R nine three ninety X out of this no, and you, just put no, that in. No, another you one. can't. Well, because you can't get anything right now. That's what I'm saying. It's like a, a five eighty is is a thousand dollars. All right. Well, going back, what I was getting at is that Mr. No Fate, Sean, who asked that last question, is one of our patrons, just like Rude Days, who came in with something very similar. He says, anytime you guys have a difference of opinion and get into a very heated argument about it are my favorite moments. Both of you bring up good points about what you're talking about, while in most cases, neither having a wrong opinion. Makes for a very entertaining show, and I feel like not many podcasts I listen to now will have the two or three hosts that will have different opinions on things, which I think is very important. Sometimes Saul and I do share opinions. Sometimes we don't the big thing and i guess heated is the word because we do get impassioned in what we're talking about but at the end of the day i think that there's a thing going around where people think if you have a disagreement with people that you can't like each other or all these different things saw is basically saw and blaze are like the people i spend most of my time with outside of work they are best friends, and it doesn't matter that we have a disagreement on a specific topic. The whole point of this podcast is to get together and have the same disagreements we were having before we were doing podcasting just on the show uh, and bringing them out. I do know what you mean, that there is a lot of podcasts out there, specifically in the gaming sphere, where it feels like it's just people patting each other on the back for their opinions. And oftentimes it's just people saying the same opinions in different ways. I'm not going to say we don't ever do that because certainly Saul and I share a number of opinions, but when we don't, we're not afraid to give our reasoning as to why we feel the way we feel. So I'm glad that you guys appreciate that. And that is not the first time we've heard that. So really fun. It's always funny to hear people thinking that liking that, the episodes where we get really into big arguments over our stance on something and why we feel that way. So glad you guys enjoy that. No surprise to anyone. We have Josh Drago, who is now a patron because he held up his end of the deal. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate Thank you, buddy. You, buddy. He says, Saul eating turkey spaghetti and playing Bloodborne at the same time. And he gave that to us on both the Facebook and the discord. Cause I'm assuming he really wanted that to be read. He goes, you find you guys finally eating Turkey spaghetti. Now I can die happy. Best moment ever. There you go, Josh. You now know where we stand on Turkey spaghetti. He says it makes us a, uh, he, he can feel more at home listening to people that he knows our stance on Turkey spaghetti. I'm glad we could do that for you. And I'm glad you held up your end of the bargain, buddy. I really appreciate it. It was more of a fun thing in general, but I was going to see if I could push you into getting what you said you were going to do. So I appreciate that. Um, Let's see. Going back over to Twitter, another one of our patrons, Mr. Jehudi MD, says, The most memorable to me is the discussion around next gen and what it will bring to the table. The ups and downs of the console and the possibilities it could bring in the future. And I'm really curious to see if what the things we talked about there come to pass. I'm curious about gaming right now in general. Uh, Saul finally having a PS5. I'm glad that he has more of a feel of what is around and one of the questions we were asked last week by another patron, Kiki, was, are we disappointed in PS5? And I think the answer from both Saul and myself was no. I mean, the PS5 is in many ways what we wanted it to be. And in a lot of ways, it's a it's a better way to play games we already were playing. So, I mean, one thing I've noticed, Saul, when I was playing Bloodborne on PS5, even without a patch, just because the PS5 is a stronger thing, the frame rate is more consistent yeah. in Bloodborne than it was on PS4. It definitely is. And even though that's not 60 frames per second, which we'll get into in a little bit, it's 
really nice to be able to play that game in what feels like a smoother fashion. Because it feels like the most smooth I've ever played that game. And I remember that game having a bunch of, I don't know if I'd say jank to it, but it did, It for some reason, that game never looked too smooth to me in motion. And now we're getting to play it that way. Um, let's see. Got a couple more here. Boston Joe, or Irish Joe 13. Been a while since I've heard from you, buddy. I hope you're doing well. Yeah. He says, I don't really have a specific one. I'm a delivery driver and just really enjoy listening to everything you guys talk about while I'm driving. You guys and PS Trophy Room, shout out to another PlayStation podcast. I know a lot of people who listen to both of us, uh, are two of my go-to podcasts, and I appreciate you guys so much. Don't worry. I also listen to your movie one, too. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. He says, thank you for all you're doing, or all that you do and keep it up you're top tier in my eyes thank you buddy really appreciate you, that i'm glad we can be there for you i know that those delivery drivers and, and people who work docks and stuff who are just out and about moving around all day like to be able to have something to listen to and focus on while you're doing it i know that whenever i used to blaze used to work with us and he was our delivery driver and every now and then, because I was the only other person that knew how to work the system, I would have to go out and do deliveries if he had an emergency or something came in where he couldn't come into work. And that would be days where I would listen to so much podcast. Because as much as I love music, it gets to a point where you're like, I'm just tired of hearing music. I just want to hear people talk. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little worn out there. You do. So that's a good one. Appreciate that one, bud. Uh, let's see. I think that that is everyone. It is. Thank you guys so much for answering that. And speaking of being thankful, you'll want your balls to thank you with our sponsor, Manscaped. Good uh, good old little transition there. We call that a segue and not those little things that you step on and lean forward and <laughs> I've never have you ever actually ridden like a segue that you see in like Paul Block Mall yeah, Cop? Yeah, I've ridden one in Dallas before. Where? In a mall? Yeah. In a little gallery, you can rent one. How do they work? Do you literally lean forward to get them to go forward? Is it kind of like those little what are they? They're not called segways, but those little things that people buy that are just the wheels and you lean forward and go back. They got real popular for a while. So, the, so the, I don't know if it's an official segway one that I rode, but you didn't have to lean forward to accelerate. Um, could you? You could. You had an accelerator up on the handle, but then to stop, it, it was very much like a like a uh, like an electric scooter. You had to start to let off on the throttle and let it let it slow down, but then you had to lean back. Okay. Basically, you're you're creating wind drag resistance to kind yeah, of, yeah. and then also creating friction. Interesting. Uh, and they were they were really slow. Like I, I think that's where they get made fun of a lot because they go like six miles an hour. So it's like, why is this even really any better than walking? Yeah, it's like you walk on an average at like two to three miles per hour. It's like you're just walking. <laughs> like it's you're walking in best time, especially in the Galleria too. Because um, this was five no about seven years ago and the only place you could ride them at uh, on the galleria with a little renting thing was was on the bottom floor where the ice rink is oh, okay and that place is so busy anyways it's like you're never gonna be able to get around yeah so like like we went and it was slow it was actually slow it was like real slow and um me and my older brother rode one and it was pretty fun yeah, interesting. But back to manscaped.com. You can head over to manscaped.com and get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping if you use code SQRD. And you have a slew of great things to choose from. But right now, you know, February is the month of love. And if you love someone, you want to smell your best around them, right? Look at this absolutely gorgeous packaging for the cologne they sent us. This is Manscaped Refined. They're great cologne. Premium packaging. And I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know why I'm such a huge fan of the way packaging ends up working with products to where 
if something is packaged well, it's an influence on your opinion of the product. It's a very big influence on my opinion of the product. And now that's, of course, at the end of the day, you just want something that works well. But there's something about the unboxing experience where if you feel high class while doing it, it's strong magnet, isn't it? It is. If you feel high class while you're unboxing it, it just paints the thing in a, such a better way in my mind. So if you want to check that out, you can see on camera right now, if you're watching us instead of listening, this absolutely great looking bottle square with a little square wood cap, which is really cool as well. I like that. Yeah. And, and okay. So Smells really good. We did a, uh, we did a little test on salt to see if it was bad for his skin. And what was the consistency? Well, no, of I, I knew, I knew it wasn't because this is the, the first product that when Manscaped offered to to uh, promote us or for us to promote them and become a partner with them. That was the first product that I went and bought with my own money. Um, just so I can have an, a, a, an unbiased opinion on something. And that way it makes it feel more genuine for me telling you that I can recommend them. And I loved it and I still use it to this day. And one thing that I like about them, I have sensitive skin so that when I use my normal cologne, which is St. Laurent, it will break me out. I, I like the smell of it. So I still use it, but this stuff right here, is perfect when it comes to not having to do that. And last episode, you could see me take this and squirt it on my neck, and I went for the entire episode, never break out at all. And you could tell if I broke out or not because it's really super red. So that is something with all of their other products that I love to use because it just everything is an ease of use and everything is great for my skin. And if I take a shower that's too warm, I get I get incredibly dry. I have to lather myself down with body cream. And that stuff right there, and the the ball toner and the ball deodorant, none of that messes with me at all. It all is pretty good for my real sensitive skin. So if you have that, have some faith in these products. And, uh, yeah, use discount code SQRD to get your free shipping and 20% off your products. Yeah, and remember, you have all these other great products like the the uh, Lawnmower 3.0, the Nose and Hair Trimmer, the um, Weed Whacker 2.0. Of course, you have the great ball toner and the ball deodorant. And i got to tell you, I am a big customer of theirs now. I will continue to use this stuff regardless of the sponsorship. I've been very uh, grateful for the opportunity to get the sponsorship from them and get introduced into a great product, and which has led me to also try try something else I was originally apprehensive about, which was the Beard Club. They're not a sponsor. It just It's a similar mindset, but when you have these things going through, it's really great to be able to kind of open your eyes and see that there's a lot of great stuff out there on the internet and in these places, and, you know, it's cool to be able to support shows and stuff with this stuff, too. So remember to support the show and support yourself and your great grooming habits. Head over to manscaped.com, use code SQRD, get you 20% off of that order and free shipping. Thank you guys so much. Uh, so many of you have already done it, and we really appreciate that. And uh, hopefully you've all loved it. I've heard back from plenty of you that you have. So the, hopefully the day never comes that we feel like we end up getting someone who did not have anything less than a great experience with their Manscaped product. So heading into the news, getting us going in there. Also, thanks to them, because, you know, we had a crazy, we had a Death and Saul's family that pushed us back from recording episode 200 after we had agreed to do the renewal. Uh, that was a big thing, and they worked with us on that. And then we had a little bit of a lapse in communication with them while all the crazy snow stuff was happening, and we were trying to work that out. They've been an absolutely great company to be flexible with us with everything going on. We really appreciate that. Um, but going into the news, the first thing that we're going to talk about, BlizzCon has came and went in a digital-only fashion this year, as no surprise with COVID still raging on. And it brought updates on World of Warcraft. Diablo 4 has uh, its rogue class revealed and went into depth of what it can do. And Overwatch 2's heroes were shown off. And the reveal of the long-rumored Diablo 2 remake slash remaster 
that we talked about a while back whenever it was uh, confirmed that Vicarious Visions was moving into Blizzard's fold and probably to overtake a game like this. So while Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 weren't given any release windows, seemingly pushing them out of this year, Diablo 2 Resurrected, as it's called, is releasing later this year on not only PC, but also current and next-gen consoles. That's PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X. And includes cross-save progression, so you can play your character anywhere you want to and move it along, which is great. The Lords of Destruction DLC that was originally part of it, which is a trend we've seen for a long time for these types of games to include their DLC whenever they remaster them. You have the ability to switch between classic and new graphics, which is one of my favorite things that these types of games do. I remember the first time that I remember seeing it in a game, saw I, you were still an Xbox player at that point, when they remade Halo 1 for the 360, and you had, you could, it might have been introduced in Halo 2, actually. No, it's Halo 1. Okay, where you could, you could hold the trigger one of the triggers since the original Xbox didn't have two sets of triggers and you could see what the game looked like in real time. Well, you'd, you'd, hit, you'd hit like back or RB. It wasn't trigger. Well, that's what I mean, RB. Yeah. I, you're right. It's not a trigger, but it's the bumper. Yeah, and you could just swap. And it's amazing. Because bumpers did not exist on OG Xbox. No. Uh, they had little holes up there, which was weird. But also, they had white and black buttons too, which is interesting. Yeah, which, which were like, basically what the bumpers ended up taking over as they moved them up. Yeah. I remember how weird the white and black buttons were. But, you know, the big thing about the OG Duke controller, or really the OG Xbox controller in general, it's so similar to the Dreamcast controller if you just slap an extra analog stick on it. Yeah. It's big it like it. It's kind of rounded like it. It's only got a single set of triggers. It's got A, B, X, Y. It's very similar. Yeah, I thought that before, um, just because like they're they're both big and bulky. Well, and if you remember, Microsoft was working with Sega on the on the Dreamcast and had the Windows version that you could use on it. So I think they just saw Sega went under and they were like, "Yeah, we can kind of just take that and move forward with it," which was cool. Uh, what else is cool though is that the game comes in at thirty nine ninety nine, which is great to see because honestly, a lot more work has gone into this. Uh, from a graphical standpoint and moving the engine up and cross-play and whatnot. And this is not going to be one of those big moments, but I'm just going to shout it out there. One of the things we saw recently was, of course, the Ninja, uh, not the, uh, the Nintendo Switch thing that ended up happening where they revealed Skyward Sword HD and for a full $60. And, of course, people were complaining because the original Skyward Sword was you could get the Wiimote exclusive, the game, and the soundtrack for like 70 bucks. Yeah. And now you have $60 for just an HD version of the game, which has been reworked a little bit for control's sake. But, yeah, it's great to see this coming in at a more modest price than something like Skyward Sword and Nintendo, how they handle stuff, just bringing stuff over at a full $60. So I'm glad to see that Activision... Blizzard, even though really Blizzard is far more Activision than it used to be these days, is doing something that I think is smart there. Great pricing across the board. And I got a shout out for Activision anyway, because they were great in pricing the uh, Crash Bandicoot trilogy and the Spyro trilogy all at $40, and even the remake of Crash Team Racing. They've been very good with the IP. Good for them. I'm, I'm, you got to give them credit where it's at, you know? Yeah. Which... uh I got to give credit to EA too. We were playing rock band last night with Casey after we got done messing with music. And um, he was, you know, we were talking about how the instruments were usable across both. And rock band, of course, came out after uh, Guitar Hero. So people who had guitars from Guitar Hero could use them in rock band. Yeah. And with it being EA, I remember even at the time, 
EA had kind of had a mixed name. It was like it was doing good with things like Dead Space and Dante's Inferno, but of course they were still getting to be known as the DLC slash microtransaction company. And um, it was cool to see that they were smart enough to be like, we're new to the rhythm game. We probably need to let people use their instruments. And then it was cool to see Activision let people use rock band stuff on Guitar Hero across the board. Really cool to see. But next thing coming in, or so, are you excited for Diablo 2? Did you ever play Diablo 2 on computer back in the day? A long time ago. I don't have the affinity for it that a lot of people do. Um, it's considered the best Diablo, but you yeah. know we went years and years and years without another Diablo. So yeah, I'm just I'm just curious. I'm more curious to see how Diablo 4 works than anything else. Um, but yeah, um, also, I seem to have perfected the build that we would need. And now everything's not here because I can't find a graphics card in stock, but the one we would get would be $300. This is going to be $1,000. $1,000. That's more a, than my computer here cost. And it's, it's pretty small. That's the, that's the case there. That looks big. That looks as big as my case over here. No, it's just a perspective. That's a micro ATX case. It's just his weird camera lens and that effect, whatever that effect is. I was thinking about making one of those cube cases. Those are really hard to build in. Really? Really hard to build in. Like, those are the ones that, like, you can pretty much... Well, you don't need much from a graphics card standpoint, you know? You don't. uh, For streaming, since we're... Unless we want to be able to stream PC games from it, which I don't know. No, I mean, we could technically just avoid the graphics card in all and just go with an APU, because Ryzen makes those now. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I mean, I could could, could redo it and do that, but I'm going to warn you, if we get all this stuff in, we could make this a video, or just like like a stream for this in itself of building this PC... But like most of those cases, you have to fully disassemble. Oh, to be able to build in? Yes. <laughs> like, like you have to take the entire thing apart. And then put it back and together. And then put it back together. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see what we end up doing. I'll work on that. It'll be probably roughly the same price anyways because those micro ATX or mini ITX stuff, all that stuff right there is already like – Mini pay, ITX. Pay, That's what I meant. Not micro. Mini yeah. is a step below. You pay for that price tag. Yeah. But I was thinking it would look a lot better in the game room. Yeah. With everything else I have, you know? Let me see what I could do right her. We'll see. Anyway, yeah, moving on to the next thing, Ninja Gaiden Sigma, Sigma 2, and 3, Razor's Edge, are being introduced to a new audience as the Ninja Gaiden collection. Revealed during Nintendo's Direct comes to PS4, Xbox, PC, and, of course, Switch on June 10th. Uh, Saul had some hot words to say about Ninja Gaiden Sigma, a game I've never played. I, I didn't like it. I just I didn't care for it at all. Um, I never played Sigma 2 or Razor's Edge, any of them. I played Ninja Gaiden Black. And then I played Black as again whenever they re-released it for Vita. I played Black twice all the way through. I think maybe maybe one like once and a half. And <laughs> even then, it's just like I'm not really fond of those games to begin with. Anyways, like I I'm not a real big Ninja Gaiden person. Yeah, nor I mean like I liked Black and I liked playing it on Vita, and it was a good showcase for what the Vita could do. Uh, but it's not a, ser- a series I just absolutely love. What's Ninja Gaiden's original series based off of? What's it called? Shinobi? I thought it was Ninja Gaiden. Let me look real quick. It was a side-scrolling game. Yeah, but I think it it may have been a a spiritual successor. Let me look. Or a predecessor. Whatever you want to call it. Ninja Gaiden predecessor? Because I remember they came out with whatever it was on... Yeah, maybe it was just like a this is a spiritual successor to something. I'm not sure. I wonder how like what's the width and stuff of this case. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know it was a spiritual successor or anything. 
what it may have been is one of those things where it had a different name elsewhere and then had a different name here. Or I'm just completely crazy. Uh, again, I never played the game that I was talking about. It must be something that was just similar. I thought it was a DS game or something called Shinobi, Shinobu. I, I really cannot remember. Hold on, here it is. Yeah, Shinobi. I was correct. It's a Sega game, so it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know Shinobi was. I just didn't know. I, you, you were throwing me off by saying it was... Yeah, I don't know where I got that idea from. So it's length, width, height, right? When you're in terms of measurements? Typically, yes. It's going to be a small case. Okay, cool. All right, anyway, don't mind my random ramblings. Apparently, I'm just way off base there. Um, this is the last random ramblings I have, though. This case is 11 inch long, about 8 inch high, by 7 inch deep. So it's not tall, it's wide? Yeah, it's long. Interesting. We'll see what we want to do in the long run. Yeah, because like we could we could definitely get it. This one actually doesn't look too hard to build in either, because it like lays like that. Okay. And it's so uh, you know, it almost looks like a Series X. It's it's smaller or a than a Series it's, S. It's, it's smaller than a Series X, isn't it? Because isn't it tw- uh? They're 12, 12 by 6 by 6, right? So it's it's almost... For the Series S, it's 12 by 6 by 6. Oh, okay. okay. So I don't remember what the X is. Anyways, back on to the topic. No, you're right. It, uh, the, the S is like 12 by 6 by 3. Yeah, it's something Or 4. Weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like half the size. Anyway, uh, and no surprise to anyone, No Man's Sky continues its tradition of adding huge new features via its latest free update, the Companions Update. Uh, this brings along the ability to adopt alien creatures who can find hidden resources for you, protect you from hostiles in combat, and be bred with the ability to genetically modify eggs to create new creatures. This sounds so interesting because it's so similar to the BS story I told you that <laughs> my old manager and one of my other friends continued to tell me about Skyrim. Yeah, about like what you could like about what? how you could breed the dragons and take them over and ride them. And now eventually you got to be able to ride the dragons in the game. I'll give them that. But that was also DLC and they didn't have any insider information. Was the Dragonborn DLC the last DLC? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. And that was also where they introduced the ability to ride a dragon. And I right. think it was only in a, like a small part. You could you? I don't even think you could do it in the normal part of the game. I yeah, you could, I thought. Could you? Yeah, it's been a while since I finished. When I Dragonborn. replayed the game, I did not go to Dragonborn. I think you have to complete the Dragonborn DLC to be able you to do. ride the dragon. Yeah, you do. It's like the last mission. So oh, since wow. I've never, I played Dragonborn DLC, but only like the first hour on PS. You need to play all of it because it becomes very Lovecraftian. Hermius Maeus or whatever that god's name is is very Lovecraftian in nature, anyways, and the yeah. way he shows up. It's really good. Even even the bad guy's mask looks like a look like a Cthulhu mask because the tentacles hang down. Yeah, I do remember seeing the mask for Dragonborn. Yeah, and well, and it's just cool being able to come back to even. I mean, I guess technically we we've been there before, but going back to Morrowind or not, I guess Verdenfall or whatever the it's not Verdenfall. Is it Verdenfall? What's the part of Morrowind that you're actually in in Morrowind? I don't know. Is that uh, like your continent? No, it's but you're in the game Morrowind. You're not actually in the entire. As, you know, you're not all the way in Morrowind. You're on a spart, a, a different little island part of Morrowind. And Valheim or Valheim? No, Valheim is that survival <laughs> game. No, there's something called Valheim in Elder Scrolls, ain't there? There might be because there's Viking-based things in there as well. Uh, Vardenfell, I was right. Yeah, it's not Vardenfall, but Vardenfell. 
I was I had my E and my A switched around. But it was cool being able to go back there. That was my basic thing. I would still love to see them remake Morrowind, but it would it'd be even cooler if they came back and made a new game where it took place in all of Morrowind instead of just seeing Vardenfall or Vardenfell. Instead, I mean, I haven't gotten there and I didn't end up playing it, but Morrowind is in the the uh, MMO all time. So I don't know. We'll see. I may end up going around there just so I can see somebody's take on the rest of Morrowind, but I always thought the Morrowind actual art style was really cool. Vaultheim Towers. That's the two towers you come across when you leave Whiterun okay. for yeah. the first time. That gotcha. has the bandits there. And that makes sense because, again, Skyrim is all Nord. Nord's based around Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, but going back into this... Uh, the update brings a host of new mechanics to the game, like the ability to interact with creatures to form a bond, a personality system that allows personality for each creature to be unique based off of their species, as well as their individual experience with the player, and more, but also improves the game with general quality of life updates to the UI, improved warp and loading times for those who are on PS4 who did not get the great benefits of loading times on PS5, and a slew of bug fixes as is usual. Uh, this is a pretty cool update, and I like how every update really tackles like a different aspect of the game. It's like, this update's going to be about letting everybody play together. This update's going to be about letting people do stuff underwater. This game's going. This update's going to be more about changing the way that you deal with ships and freighters in space with the haunted freighter update that they did. And then you have, of course, coming back in and be like, wouldn't it be cool if we added the element for you to be able to essentially take like a chow in Sonic where you can go and be like, I want you, and I'm going to train you and let you do things that haunted freighter thing sounds cool it is uh did you see any of the stuff on this yet uh -uh. you can whenever you get your pets you can like mount lasers to them and they'll just walk around with you and like shoot lasers off of their backs and like hit things and get minerals and stuff for you this looks like dead space yeah it kind of does i've seen it and i have a buddy who's played it and i've gotten on the game i've just not gotten around to actually doing the haunted freighters or whatever you want to call them but it does look cool. It does. Yeah. No Man's Sky, the endless fountain of uh, Sean Murray's, I guess, guilt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way at all, Sean. You're a great dude. I really, I mean, you know, everyone could have hated you at first for accidentally stretching the truth or flat out lying, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's been cool to see this game turn around. And I always say that every time, but it really is. Every time an update comes, I'm just like, why? Like, And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's always like, they could let this game die by now, and I don't think anybody would be upset. Or I shouldn't say die, but they could stop updating this game by now. But it's cool seeing this kind of go on, even though it's in pretty stark contrast to the way I typically feel. I'd rather see a company get to move on and do other things. But then again, with a game like No Man's Sky, where literally the... There is no real limit on what you can do. This game not only runs at 4K60 on the PS5, but it has trigger feedback. Yes, that's it does. really cool. I might download this today. Yeah, I'm really surprised at what games do have it, and then I've been more surprised by the games that don't have it. I can't believe Destiny still doesn't have it. I'm not surprised that Destiny doesn't have it at this point. Speaking of Destiny, did you see Bungie have dedicated to growing and having a new IP on market by 2025? Yeah, with the help of Tencent. With the help of Tencent. Also, they're going to be putting Destiny media out in things other than gaming. So you're going to have comic books and little animated films and stuff coming to expand on Destiny's lore soon. So if you're a big Destiny fan, 
are a big Bungie fan, you either have great new Destiny stuff, hopefully, coming, or if you wanted to see what Bungie can do when they're not making a Destiny game, um, then you get to maybe see what they're going to do next. Which kind of makes me think of, like, you know, when when speaking of um, the No Man's Sky team, um, Hello Games, I've been really happy to see that Hello Games has actually managed to go on and make a new game with the last campfire. I haven't played it yet, but I bought it. It looks cool. It does look really cool, but I'm glad to see that they're doing something other than just continuing to only do no man's sky. Um, which is good. Cause I think Bungie has been needing to do that. I know destiny is a big thing for them, but it just makes more sense that if someone doesn't like destiny, you can still get them to potentially buy and play one of your games. If you do something different. Yeah. Here's the question for you though. So uh-huh. you're a big Bungie fan. You always have been. Do you think, and I bring this up primarily because their first game before Halo, or at least it released the same year, Oni. That game did not release the same year as Halo. Was it not 01? That was like 2004 or 5. What? I'm pretty sure, yeah. That was a PS2 game. It was a PS2 game. I thought that game was 2001, same year. Yeah, 2001. Was it? Yeah. I don't know why I remember that being way later. Yeah, developed by Bungie West. Interesting. I, I I played it. I just don't remember. It was Bungie West's only game. I, I'm not surprised. But yeah, I, I play a little bit of it, but I don't remember much of it. Yeah, it had hand to hand combat with third person shooter. Third, yeah. Um, but my question that kind of goes into my question with what Bungie has become and what they decided to do when they broke off of Halo and basically do Halo 2.0 with Destiny in a lot of ways. Um, did you see Bungie moving away from first person shooters with their next game? Uh, yeah, and that doesn't surprise me either. I mean, they haven't said they are. Like, do you personally think they would? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I had to think about that for a second. But yeah, like, I think that they would very much like No Man's Sky and Hello Games, where they went from No Man's Sky to The Last Campfire, and that's after Joe Danger. Those are all drastically different games. Yes. So I would think. So I would think that even th- they themselves are getting are they, fatigue. They said new IP, but would it be wild if they? It wouldn't be a new IP, but would it be wild if they came back and like remade Oni into an actually good game? Because the one thing that always cracks me up about Oni is that everyone loves the character design, yeah, and they love the character, but the game has always been it's like just not, really poorly received because it's, it's not a good game. Yeah, it's just not a memorable game at all. Yeah, I remember the one time that I did play a little bit of it. It reminds me of Halo in the sense that it's got really big environments, but they're so empty that it's like, why would you even need this big of an environment? Because there's nothing in it. See, and in Halo, that makes sense. I mean, at least a little bit more. And even though Halo's bigger environments, for Halo 1 at least, you have like grunts and stuff in it. You know what I mean? It's like you're trying to do more, and you're hiding the skulls and stuff in these games. So they're trying to do something, but... True. Eh, we'll see what ends up being the case. Uh, next thing up in the news, though, is in another example of how the internet is not a great show for the larger consumer tendencies, Remedy had a record year in 2020 despite not releasing a new game. Instead, the studio found ways to expand the audience of their last title, Control, uh, with new expansions, launching the game on Steam and Game Pass, having cloud-playable versions on both Amazon's new Luna service as well as even Nintendo Switch, like we saw with Resident Evil 7. Of course, there is the internet-lamented Ultimate Edition, that ended up getting a lot of backlash and a lot of flack for its odd choice of an upgrade path or, I guess, lack thereof from the normal version of the game, even though you could have spent significantly more money uh, across buying all of the content. And despite that backlash, the Ultimate Edition seems to have been a way for them to expand their profits because, as we know, 
This is all before the Ultimate Edition released on PS5 and Series S and X, uh, which, of course, we just got given for free. I mean, not for free, but we got given as part of PS Plus. So they made money from that, but that's not this year. Right. So, or, well, it depends. I don't know if when their fiscal year ends, because they're a Swedish company. It might be this year. I would be surprised. If, they're in, if, they're, if they end their fiscal year in March. I think Japan ends their fiscal year with the calendar year. Do they? I know it's not the same as ours. A lot of American companies in their fiscal year in March. I don't actually know for uh, Sweden and if they even abide by that. or uh, Who knows? Either way, it's kind of interesting to see a company actually come up and do this because a lot of people online, again, when you're dealing with the, I guess technically it's it's a bunch of echo chambers, but it's in itself an echo chamber full of echo chambers. You would think that all of the upset and anger about how the Ultimate Edition was handled, that it would sell very badly. And clearly, that's not the case. Yeah. I just, it, I, I really wanted to bring this up because of the fact that I think people who are really into gaming and spend a lot of time on gaming Twitter and on gaming internet in general, but Twitter very specifically, uh, and Discords, think that what they're seeing on Twitter is indicative of what the actual consumers out there are doing and how they feel. And it's far from it. And it tends to be so far from it. You know, and, and I'm not saying that The Last of Us sold gangbusters, The Last of Us Part Two, but The Last of Us Part Two sold far more than anybody would have expected. Now I think it probably didn't perform as well as Sony had hoped or Naughty Dog had hoped, but it still was a huge success. Even 4 million units in the first month or whatever it was, or weeks or whatever it was, is a lot. And that's way more than a lot of games get. Uh, and you would have thought by being on the internet, The Last of Us 2 would have been a flop. Yeah, just the same with like Battlefront. Well, it's weird too, though, right? Because you'd think that The Last of Us 2 would be a flop based off of one section of the internet. Then the other section of the internet, you would think it sold 20 million units. Yeah. Because it's like it you, you either on. hate it or you absolutely love it. Very seldom does the internet show the people who exist in their in-between where it's like, oh, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I spent $60 on it. It just depends on what echo chamber you're in. It does. The echo chamber of echo chambers that is the internet. It's, uh, it's weird. And it's so cool seeing people like I'm, I really want to know cyberpunk cell numbers for nothing other than just seeing how much the internet torments of that game and that developer had an impact on the actual consumers who went out and just bought it. Cause they've been hearing about it or it looked cool. Like how does that game do if fallout four can come out and outsell Skyrim, despite being pretty buggy at launch, just like Skyrim was, um, and getting a lot of people giving it flack for that. It just goes to show you that we're, Gaming internet is so disconnected from the majority of gamers. It's such a small little microcosm of the larger market. Um, this next one's pretty cool. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night fans and Blasphemous fans can rejoice as developer The Game Kitchen has announced a partnership with Artplay for a crossover event in Blasphemous called Strife and Ruin. The crossover sees Miriam from Bloodstained arriving in the land of Custodia to ask the Penitent One for assistance that sees the players collecting shards, uh, completing platforming challenges in Bloodstained-themed levels, and rebuilding the portal that can send Miriam back to her own world for an awesome reward. The update is available now and it's free. If you own, if you own uh, blasphemous or if you go buy it, this is a really cool thing. I'm glad to see these little indie games and smaller studio games come together and do these kind of crossovers. Yeah. And I think Bloodstained. here's the big thing. Do you remember a lot of people's problem with bloodstain is that they were upset that it wasn't like, um, 
eight bit art, whatever you want to call it. They were upset that it wasn't like sprite art. Instead, it was full three D. Where Bloodstained Two is right. Blood, uh, well, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is, which is not Bloodstained Two, but Curse of the Moon and Curse of the Moon Two, uh, which were prequels. Maybe they were like the more eight bit Castlevania styled ones. No, Curse of the Moon is two. Yeah, they they had a second one. Okay, but Ritual of the Night is the main. These two were smaller games. Right. Curse of the Moon was ten dollars. And it was one of the tiers, and then Curse of the Moon 2 is a sequel to that one in particular. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people wanted to see that in more of like a Symphony of the Night style. Where which, it's, which is what this definitely is. Well, I think that one's even older. To me, Curse of the Moon kind of looks like very early SNES Castlevania. True. Yeah, because some of that stuff in here is like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix. Yeah, whereas, you know, a lot of the thing about the way that... Um, Symphony of the Night looked is that it still carried that kind of look, but with a lot higher detail because of it being on a 32-bit system. Right. So what's kind of cool about this is if you like those and you wanted to see that, if you go and look at some of these challenge dungeons or whatever you want to call them, challenge rooms that are in Blasphemous, Blasphemous's art style is kind of like that. It, it is sprite-based, and that means that everything they made for this is sprite-based versions of a higher detail. So it looks really cool. And even seeing like this almost sprite-based version of the art of Miriam, whenever you see her like leg tattoos as it's crawling up her body, it looks really cool. Hmm. Yeah, I still need to play these games. Ritual of the Night is so good. If you're a big fan of Castlevania, and definitely if you're a fan of Symphony of the Night, Ritual of the Night is fantastic. Is it really the one where you can also select like four different characters? Ritual of the Night? No, you play as Miriam. Okay. At all times. There's one like where they do have more. They do have like different characters. Yeah. Her, her character design is also fun. I love the way the game ended up looking in the final retail version. I understood why everyone was upset when the game was being shown prior because it lacked a depth. And it just, it, I don't know, it looked oddly cheap. But by the time the game came out after the beta, whew, how much does it cost? On gorgeous. Switch? Like $10 or $20? I would say it's probably a $20 game by now. Maybe 30 on Switch because of the way Switch is. 55, 55, 40. 40? Woo! Well, I mean, I'll tell you, it's worth it. Yeah. But, yeah. Either way, you can get that game for on sale fairly often on consoles that are not Switch. It's a good Switch title, so I can understand that's, that. That's, that's where I You want to make sure it. it's working, though. The Switch version at launch had well, a lot of issues. Buggy, yeah. It was it had bad performance. I assume it's been fixed by now. That's $20 physical GameStop. For Switch? Yeah. There you go. I could buy it with four payments of four ninety nine. Who does that on a $20 game? That's people who don't have $20 in hand, then but have $5 they, in hand. Then they don't need a $20 game. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you're if you're responsible with your four ninety nine payments, you can do that. <laughs> uh, okay, next thing up, PlayStation players are finally set to get their hands on the Turok and Turok 2 Seeds of Evil remastered versions as listing for both titles hit PlayStation Store with a February 25th release date. No price is currently shown, but the titles are $19.99 each on other platforms. Have been out for quite a while on, uh, I think, Switch is on there. I know it's been on Xbox for quite some time. Um, so that likely remains the case here. These versions stay true to the classics, which is a really cool thing we've been seeing with some Doom 64 is almost entirely Doom 64, but with widescreen support and then some other stuff. So like this game right here gets dual stick controls because remember 64 was a single stick system. That's cool to see. It's got a far more consistent frame rate than the 64 was able to deliver. It adds a field of view slider so that you can actually determine how much of the world you're seeing at any given time, as well as having less fog. If you remember, the 64 couldn't render very far out. 
because of tech. So they've actually lowered the fog so that it's still there as part of the visual effects, but it's not so dense so that you can see more of the world out in front of you. Uh, all of this while remaining true to the game's classic look on 64. The graphics really haven't been updated so much as just allowing you to play it on more modern consoles with modern amenities, but they still want to keep the look intact of the game, which is cool. I've never played either one of these. I remember playing Turok Seeds of Evil. I've never played the original Turok on... Well, no, I have. I lie. I never beat it. I've played the original Turok on um, on Game Boy. There was a GameCube Turok. Was it a remake? Uh, Evolution. Turok Evolution. That's right. It wasn't... It Was, was it a remake? No. Or a reimagining? I don't think so. Let's see real quick. I do remember Evolution, though. It was really good. I was really hoping that would be announced as well, and it wasn't. Do-do-do. A port from Microsoft Windows was released in 2003. Nope. So is it a PC game? What, um, Turok? No, it's, it's, it's available everywhere. It's a PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy, GameCube, and PC. Well, no, I mean, like, was it a PC originally? Because I thought you just said port of a Microsoft something, something. No, it, it ported to Microsoft after consoles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. you, can, you can get... Y'all remember the, uh, the 2008 uh, Epic nope, Games nope, we reboot? Sure don't. We sure don't. We oh, it wasn't Epic Games. It was uh, Propaganda Games, but it was under Epic Engine. Yeah, so yeah. it looked so much... Like the age-old problem with early PS3 and 360 games that used Unreal 3, all of the games looked the same. <laughs> you know what's cool about that is that literally I got a, a shirt from GameStop for free that it was black with just green Turok on the front of it. Oh, the the art? Like, dude, that case, it looks cool. Yeah. The, and, the game wasn't bad. It just also was like, why are you calling this Turok? Yeah, this is it's like Monster Hunter with guns. Do you, uh, yeah, there's a game out there right now that's called like Instinction or something like the Instinct, maybe. Arc? And no, it's, um, it might be Instinction. Let me look real quick. It's a dinosaur game. It's like Ark has dinosaurs and guns. It's not Extinction. It what, what is that game called? Uh, people are calling it a Dino Crisis spiritual successor, and it's not. No one, like, you know, people were just seeing it's a game with dinosaurs in it, and they'd be like, oh, um, look, let's see, the game is called Instinction. So. It just it, didn't pull up the first time. Yeah, I don't know why it didn't when I searched it. Uh, but go check out the, the video if that interests you at all. Don't be wrong, the game looks cool. It looks like it's, you know, got a lot of atmosphere and brings in dinosaurs. But if you actually look at this, people are calling this, based off of this trailer alone, because there's dinosaurs, eggs, and stuff. Oh, this is a. Um, this has to be a spiritual successor to this. If anything, this looks more like it's first person too. This looks more like Turok. If I was going to say anything, yeah. than a Dino Crisis spiritual successor. Like, look at this right here for a split second. Uh. The, the 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 rays coming through the trees actually look good. Everything it does, else, but it runs in like fifteen frames a second. Yeah, it looks very rough right there. Now this is an early showing of the game. We're right. not going to go crazy. She showed it at all at that point. Right now, it's expected for Q three twenty twenty two. Either way, go check that out. But I, it's so funny how quickly people are, are will throw spiritual successor onto something. I mean, technically, I guess I just did with Shinobi on accident, but that was due off of information that someone else gave me. You know what? I just I just solved the puzzle in my head. I'm pretty sure that this is another case of my GameStop manager telling me that Shinobi had something to do with Ninja yeah. Gun <laughs> because that did not just enter my head through randomness, and I I feel like I remember that conversation. So. He might have been saying it was a spiritual successor. That's funny. 
Next thing up, though, after being pulled from digital stores among the closure of Telltale Games a few years back, the newly revived Telltale Games has finally brought Tales of the Borderlands back to PS Store, the Microsoft Store, and newly on Nintendo Switch, so you can play it there. Hopefully these do well for them because you know you're, you have they're having to deal with stuff to get these back on the stores when a lot of people have got been given these games for free through things like Game Pass not Game Pass but um, games with gold and PS Plus and all this stuff but if these games continue to do well for them and they can get these back on and people can sell that just goes to bode further well for some of the projects they have coming like The Wolf Among Us Two so. If you've not played this game, I'll go ahead and tell you. Tell some if you don't own great. it, it's fantastic. It is. Buy it, support it, so that I can eventually one day get The Wolf Among Us too. Yeah. Also buy The Wolf Among Us. It's very good. I still need to play that. But yeah, for sure I can speak for Tales of the Borderlands. I that That's one of my biggest PS Plus surprises. Yeah. I got it. You said you were starting to play. You're like, it's pretty good. I know I platinum at that point, I think. By the time it came to PS Plus. You might have. Because I platinum it way back like, way, way back. But I remember you saying it was good, so when I got it for PS Plus, I was like, sure, I'll try it. I wonder if I can look up that Platinum now. It'll take too long, but go play it. Go play it. It's good. It, go support it. It tugs at your heartstrings when you wouldn't expect it. The last thing we're going to talk about here is Lance McDonald and his long-known 60 frames per second patch for Bloodborne, which if you've not seen, go check out the Digital Foundry video they did. What it really does is it... On PS4 and PS4 Pro, it changes that up and lets the game go to 60 frames per second with the optional ability to change your targeting render so that you hit that 60 frames per second more often. You can change the game to render at 720p instead of 1080. Um, And that's how you hit 60 frames per second. But a lot of caveats here. Going back to this, though, he had originally promised to give Sony the chance to patch the game for PS5 to support 60 frames per second before giving his work out to the world. Months later... With no mention of Bloodborne, uh, of a Bloodborne patch, Lance held to his end of the deal, and users with a way to run unsigned code on a PS4 <coughs> jailbreak, uh, can now enjoy the game at 60 frames per second. Yeah, so you have to have a hacked PS4 to play it. but um, Or you could apparently just buy the new Elgato capture card, because we were definitely... I don't know if it was coming up on stream this way. I wonder, too. But it was 100% playing at some odd version of 60 frames it per did, second. It, did, it definitely didn't come up... Um, it, the platinum for that game is a 23.6% that everybody has it. That's a, that's a high rating. Um, that's actually low for a Telltale game. Is it? And see, that's why I say go play it, because then people will know. Because um, like I, I looked on that video, and I did not see... It did not appear to me it was as smooth as it was when I was playing it. You, cause oh, well, you got to remember, the 60 frames per second was only on the... the it's like the pass-through. Yeah, for the for the for the card itself, but that game, and it was only for like the first five minutes. Yeah, because we changed it. That game was one hundred percent running at sixty frames per second. It was just very janky. My assumption is that there's something built in. I, don't, I really don't know this. My assumption is there's something built into the way that the Elgato capture card works. That if you run something, if you're telling it to come in at sixty frames per second. Um, then it will go ahead and do frame interpolation where it'll copy the frame and kind of move it a little bit as it transitions to the next one. And that's how you were getting this very odd looking 60 frames per second, because it's like you get 60 frames per second visually, but you don't get it in responsiveness. I wasn't playing the game, but Saul, did it feel like it was a 60 frames per second game or it just looked like it? It just looked like it. Like I had to stop and pan the camera and I'm like, Oh, that's weird. It, that, that might that might be the best way to describe it. Is it played like a thirty frames per second game, but it looked like a sixty? It was very weird. 
You know, um, it's, it's it's like that smooth motion stuff you can turn on TVs where it just interpolates the frames. Yeah, and it, adds it, more. Well, it goes like forty eight frames per second technically. Well, it, it, from, it can, yeah, so, from twenty eight to or for gaming. To, if you leave it on gaming, yeah, it'll, it'll double. Well, no, I mean for like like a, it gives it the soap opera effect because yeah. it essentially just interpolates at forty eight frames per second for the show. For the show, because most TVs and movies are shot at 24, 24 frames per second. Yeah. So then when it doubles it, you go to 48. On on games, typically, it's 30. So then you double it, it goes to 60. On games that support 60, if you turn on frame interpolation, I think it can actually move you up to a 120. Which, if you remember, one of the dumb things about TV marketing for years, and it's still a problem, is you get these dumb numbers. Like Sony says, oh, this is uh, 240 smooth motion. And it's like... You, they're implying that it's a 240 hertz experience. There, it's not a 240 it's, it's hertz very screen. Clever marketing. Sometimes it's a 60 hertz screen that is being frame interpolated up to where it's quadrupling your frames, yeah. so that you can get to 240. Um, and it looks odd. It's not natural. It's not natural. This some be, people like the look. This might be an unpopular opinion, but like I can't stand it when people are watching. For me, but I can't stand it. When, like I go to somebody's house and they're like, "Hey, let's watch some TV," and then there's like smooth motion on. I'm like, "No, please." What I've liked in my brother does years, that. I'm just like, yeah. who are you? What I've liked in recent years is the ability to turn it on because for games it can actually sometimes help the frame rate appear. Where you you, I don't want to say you don't get screen tearing, but it'll it'll help the frame rate if it's not consistent feel more consistent. Well, I just put it in gaming mode anyway, still with input lag. Sure, but even then, if you leave uh, modern TVs back then for a long time, my dad was one of those people. It was just smooth motion is on or it's off a lot of tvs now have steps so you can tell it oh i want it on a very light mode and actually you may not notice but it may have reset it because my tv got apparently reset when i excuse me when i unplugged it and had to move it but normally it was on game mode and i had my image quality adjusted around for what i thought was best for it based off of some stuff from artings as well as well as having the lighted I know, I know that, but listen, that's not what you spell when, (laughs) I know it's ratings, but if someone was going to go, I can't say go to ratings.com because that's not it. Go to ratings.com with no A. Then it's (laughs) artings.com. It's routines. Routines. But, um, yeah, I have very light and typically I have very light, um, motion, smooth motion on and you, I don't think you've ever noticed. Is that the community's take? Um, do, you, do, you do you like smooth, smooth motion? motion? Man, I, what would be a good community's take for this episode? Actually, you know do what? Do you have a jailbroken PS4? Let us know. Don't. don't I'm no, kidding. I mean, yeah, let us know. Um, well, I mean, clearly it doesn't matter. Lance send, McDonald send, clearly send has one. Yeah. If you've, got, if you've got a jailbroken PS4, an extra one that you're it's, willing to send off, I'd love to try Bloodborne. It's not illegal to have or use. It's just against Sony's terms and conditions. So if you go online with it. Yeah, you're, you're I didn't think about that. The sixty, the sixty frames per second Bloodborne mean you can only play in offline mode. Yes, because you are running, you are running um, modded firmware, and it gets detected automatically. Um, unless they do something incredibly weird, but in order for these uh, jailbroken PS4s to exist, is they're running this very, very weird side loaded version of like one point two firmware update on yeah. their PS4, and then somebody hops online for longer than. Anything, any time at all to realize like oh how are they playing Bloodborne with 1.4 they have those automated you know uh, it's not vac banning but it's just automated banning systems it's like you're gone well you know what's really crazy about that though is I would imagine that much like the PS Vita modded scene there's probably a way to spoof your thing to where when you log on it shows a spoofed version of what version you're running you, yeah, you would think so yeah maybe consoles are different because of how because I don't know they're not portable 
locations I, I, can't change. Genuinely, I don't typically. know. I don't either. Let us know if y'all do know that. But um, hmm, communities take. Let me think. Let's think. I mean, Let's, I think the smooth motion one is kind of interesting because pondering. I've seen people use the smooth motion for gaming. Because they want the soap opera effect on their games. So I guess we could, the community take will be, do you prefer smooth motion in any context? Do you, Are you one of the weird people that likes Lord of the Rings at 48? I'm not going to call you weird. No, I'm, I'm going to call you weird. Uh, here's the weird and thing. you'll love it. Here's the weird thing about you're that, weird. though. Lord of the Rings with frame interpolation, no. Because it's not real frames. The Hobbit, as much as those movies well, are not great. That's what I mean. When they're filmed in that. Nope. When they're filmed at 48, he, I like he, it. He's a weird one. Are you like Brett or are you like Saul? Well, here's the thing: it's, nope. it really helps with uh, it really helps with CGI being put in. Like, it makes it look worse. It makes me. it look faker. Okay, I should say this: I've never watched. You got to remember, I've never watched The Hobbit outside of a theater. It looked good to me in theater. Okay, it does not look good on a TV. Then. I've not watched it on TV, it, so do not do not follow my words for what the TV release we'll, looks like. We'll pull it up on a, on your TV in there after after we're done, and we'll look at it. But it looks it looks, like it looks fantastic TV. in theater to me. It did not look good. And oh, you're talking about 48 frames, right? I'm not yeah. listening. Okay, yeah, and it was. If I remember, it was filmed with a 48 frames per second camera. Okay. Well, if you're a weird one like Brett, let us know. If you're if you're a good boy like Saul, let us know. Either way, you love I'll murder us. Murder you in your sleep. You love us. So I you, really hope you don't get murdered. In you your sleep. are weird. Anyways, well, if, if I get murdered in my sleep, we we have prime suspect number one right here because he just said. Damn it. it. Uh, Please, no one go kill Saul. If you want to be part of us in our weird community, you can follow us over on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can it's also Twitter Saul, not T Twitter. T Twitter. I was hoping you'd catch that. You can also find our Discord in the description below of our YouTube video and our, all of our podcast descriptions. And then you can also find us on uh, Facebook at Triangle Squared at PlayStation Podcast. It's a group. All you got to do is ask to be in it, and uh, you get put in it. You and, won't see Saul. Yeah, you won't see me because I don't have Facebook. I'm a, like I said, I'm a cool boy. Um, also, if you enjoy the show, you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash nartech there. You could support us. And if you support us for long enough, you get a custom case that, that you guys can go to our website and check out and see, and then you get to pick. I'm well, glad. Why are you saying that? Because this is important. That's a Sean Evans finger wave. <laughs> Matt had reached out to me and Matt, just so you know, if you're listening to this, I've not had a chance with all the crap stuff that we've had going on around here. I've not had a chance to reprint yours and get yours back out. If you are overseas and you're international for me in the U.S., let me know if you get your stuff. Most of the time, people do, but every now and then they don't. And Matt, I was unaware until he brought it up again. He might have brought it up and I misunderstood him. He has missed the last two cases I've sent, despite the fact that everything is exactly right. It gets all the way to his local post office. And then poof. And then for some reason, they act like his address isn't correct. And they send it back. And then but never, I've never gotten them back. Yeah, you just never get them back. So. so I'm assuming those just don't exist. They're out there in the wild. So we've worked something out. I'm going to be sending him his two cases again. Uh, and we're moving to another address, his parents' house, so that we can see if it hopefully gets there this yeah. time. Um, but if you are international and for some reason you've done a case or you're supposed to get a case and you didn't, please let me know. I'm trying to see what I can do, but I had I had Matt double-check his address and make sure I put it in correctly. I did. I don't know, but have at that. So you can continue. I just wanted to let people know if for some reason you haven't gotten them. We're wearing the same shorts. Yours are just darker. We are. Did you get your shorts from Target? Yeah. I'll smack they were you. a Valentine's Day present. Anyway. So you show off your junk. Anyways, <laughs> if you also want to support us, you can go over to manscaped.com and use discount code SQRD. Like we said earlier, that'll get you 20% off your order and get you free shipping. And then of course the best way to support us is by spreading the word. You know somebody that likes PlayStation or video games and wants to see two weird people talk about them? Give them, give them our, our links. 
tell them where to go to find us. And uh, yeah, we hope everybody has a good week. Since this comes out on Mondays, we'll start you off right, hopefully. Um, and yeah, enjoy, enjoy it. We'll see you guys back for episode 202. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Till next week. But also shout out to our patrons, which I need to go adjust. I just realized that. But I know our last two most recent ones. We have Mr. Rob Henry, who is a host over on the Warp Point podcast and streaming and stuff that they do. Go check them out. Rob Henry, thank you so much, man. We've also got Josh Drago, who came in and followed his word from the turkey spaghetti. Try turkey spaghetti if you haven't. Also, though, we have Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Tabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Schaefer, thank you guys so much for supporting us. And remember, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech to support us more. Thank you.